Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. We're going to talk about it, but while I'm talking about it, I want you to think about it. Whatever age you might be, the very oldest to the very youngest, I want you to think about what would this earth be like from your vantage point if everything here was as God intended for it to be here in those days of creation when God made the, the uh, heavens and the earth then he gave light and then he divided the land from the water I want you to think about what it'd be like to live in Houston and the water at Galveston looked like the water in the Caribbean. Do you get where I'm going with this? Can, can you think what it'd be like if heaven had every flower that you've ever seen on any, any uh, uh, continent in the world, every animal, every bird, everything that God created, all the landscaping, the flatland, the mountainous land, the snow country, the tropical country, there was no more sorrow, no more death, no more vandalism, no more sin, no more sickness, no more paralysis, no more drugs, no more immorality. You think about what it would be like when there were no more hospitals, no more prisons. Even the church buildings would not be needed because the whole place would be just a place of worship of God. That wherever you went, if you wanted to go into the mountains for the weekend, you would be right in the middle of a place to worship. And whatever you did... In word or deed, you can do it to the glory of God. What would be the, purpose, the perfect utopia? And while you're thinking during this sermon, I want you to think of something else. I've been reading night and day. Uh, before I got up here to preach this morning, I was still making notes by hand uh, in my office. And even the latest one sitting down here on the front row as Brother Bill was leading us in the, in the singing. But I just want you to think <clears throat> with me very, very, very clearly as to what heaven is going to be like and then I want you to listen to what the Bible says about it and then I want you to think about what about me where do I fit into all this stuff why did Noah put a male and a female of everything on the boat and some of you say yeah I know if I'd have been him there's mosquitoes I'd have left them out you know some of the snakes I'd have left them. I don't know. But why did God put two there? He wanted them to stay around. Now, ask yourself the questions because I'm going to answer one of, is there going to be any pets in heaven? All right. I, I can't tell you how many people ask me that. And my dog going to be in heaven. Well, he certainly, Jesus didn't die for your dog. But we'll talk about the dog in just a little bit. But here's the point. Here's the point. In a perfect environment where a perfect creator created a perfect will, were, uh, world and then man began to come in and mess it all up what would it be like if you restored that all back and it was exactly like God intended for it to be how does that tie into heaven see I, I don't really you know I'd like to be able to dance like these girls play a harp uh, and sit on the cloud just not my thing and I'm not sure I'd look good in wings and I'm not sure you would either uh, but that kind of drawings of people that's not what we're going to talk about. But what we are going to talk about is a perfect place and a perfect environment with a perfect people that will have a perfect time for all of eternity. A day, place where we'll never grow old. A place where we'll never have anybody mistreat us. And a place where we'll never mistreat anybody else. Where we'll all be 
able to walk around in good health for eternity. Just think about that. Then listen to how the Bible ties it together. I'm entitling the message today, Heaven, a Prepared Place for Prepared People. Would you stand? I want to read to you three uh, passages of Scripture. Actually, I'm, I will read four, one short one at the end. I want you to listen to what God's Word has to say in just a few places and remind you of what I said a moment ago. Heaven is taught from, from in all 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible refers to that perfect place that's been created by a perfect God for a people who've been made perfect by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, verses 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. If ye believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, Jesus said, there you, we, may be also. Revelations 21, John is writing on the Isle of Patmos, the book of the Revelation. An incredible book where God lets him look from, from that island in the Mediterranean and get a glimpse of what heaven is like. And here's what he writes, Revelations 21.1. The Bible is almost closed. And I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then in the 10th verse of that 21st chapter of Revelation, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain. He showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And then listen to the final one. Paul wrote this in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter 9th verse. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Is that you? I hope so. If it is, you're going to love this sermon. Would you be seated? If it's been your responsibility to attend funerals in your life, and a lot of them, there's something sort of common about that. You say, well, I'm young. I haven't been to very many funerals. The older you get, the more that, of course, you will have attended. I would like to say to the young people, you know, having graduated a long time ago and already celebrated my 50th high school anniversary, I can remember those days back when we'd been graduates five years, we had our first reunion. In the first five years after graduation, several of the student body at Pasadena High School that graduated seniors in 1959 died first five years. The next five years, there were many more added to that list. And the longer the years go to now, I get very, very, at least one a month of someone I graduated with is, is absent from the body and is out in eternity. You don't live, everybody doesn't live to be 100. You say, well, I know the average life expectancy is whatever. Well, you don't need to worry about the average. None of us know what a day is going to bring. Now, here's my point. If you've attended a lot of funerals, here's something you're going to notice. Think about it. You think about your funerals you went to. I don't care who they were or where they were. If that's all you knew about the Bible, you know what you think? You think most everybody you ever know is in heaven. I mean, 
they just, you know, they just go to the funeral. They, oh, they're so good. They took care of their dog. They coached Little League. They were in the Boy Scouts. They were in the military. They went to church. You know what I'm talking about. They were good neighbors and all that. Now, what that is saying is, and we know that they're in a better place. Well, next week we're going to talk about an alternative to heaven. But I want you to think for a moment. If that's what all you've heard is, isn't it interesting that in Matthew 7, 14, the Bible says very clearly that narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And few there are that will find it. Not the majority. Not the crowd. Not even a large number, but only a few. Only a few. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one's going to come to heaven except by me. Now, people get furious about that. And you have to decide, what are you going to believe? My responsibility is just to, I didn't write the book, I just deliver it. You know, I'm like the paper boy, I just deliver the paper, I didn't write the paper. I'm not even the reporter that wrote the story, I just simply say, here it is. But the point I want to make to you is that when you think about heaven, most people think, well, I just believe that most people are going to go to heaven, and Jesus says just the opposite. Now, as you think about the best part of your life, if you'd say, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but I've got wonderful health. Or you might say, you know, I don't have a lot of this world's goods, but I have lots of friends. Now, you can make, uh, make the comparison any way you want to, but let me t- tell you to do something. Take the best you have at whatever it is, you know, and think about this. Whatever you think is the best, it won't even compare to what it's going to be like. You say, oh, I've just got a wonderful family. Wait till you get to heaven and see what kind of family you have. See what I'm saying? Oh, I've just got a lot of ability. You just wait till you get to heaven and see what you're going to have. If you will just take the best things of this life, they are just previews to what heaven's going to be like. And when you take all of it and put it together, you're going to find out that God has put together a place called heaven And the way you get to heaven is by grace, through faith, not good works, not knowing the right people, but by grace. Grace is what caught you when you were out there in sin. You were sinking deep in sin, and by the grace of God, somebody caught you. Some of these that were baptized last Sunday, the story went, this story started at a little afternoon Sunday of one of these families, and by the, by the 3 o'clock, six members of the family had come to know Jesus by them going out and getting their members of their family say, come, I want you to hear what I've just heard. And after, at 3 o'clock, they were still talking to some in that family about giving their heart to Jesus Christ. Grace caught you. Grace brought you here. And grace bought you with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing grace that's so sweet the sound that saved wretches like us. Now, heaven, let me start off here and tell you, it's going to be a place of rest. But don't misinterpret that word rest. For some of you retired say, yeah, I've been there for the last 20 years. I've been retired and I've been in that place of rest, you know. I get up when I want to, go to bed when I want to. I drink my coffee, eat an egg, read the paper, and go back and get a nap. Get up and eat a sandwich and go back and get a nap. And then I, my wife wakes me uh, at dinner, or we go out and eat, and then we come in, we go to bed early, and we get a rest. And we just rest. That's not the kind of rest it's going to be. You know what kind of rest it's going to be? Perfect peace. No night and no day. The former things are passed away. 
But you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about losing your job. You don't have to worry about that doctor's appointment. You don't have to worry about your husband leaving you or your wife leaving you or the kids going in rebellion. You don't have to be worried about the government's going to be shut down. Let me tell you, if you're saved, when Jesus comes, the government will shut down. But you won't be here, all right? You won't be here. But think of the joy of, of going and traveling, not worried about, he hit me in the car. Have you noticed all of us that have wrecks, somebody hit us. Very rarely we say, well, I had a wreck. I just hit everybody in the bunch, you know. It's always, they hit me, they hit me, it was their fault or whatever. Can you imagine, though, never having to get up and somebody get your seat or showing up at church and somebody sitting in your seat or getting your parking place? Now, just think about that. I was, all week I've been thinking stuff like this, and I got so excited I could hardly go to sleep at night of just thinking about what is it really going to be like in heaven? It's going to be a place of perfect environment, temperature, and I had one of my staff ask him about this, and he said, well, you know, for some people, you know how these theologians are, for some people, the perfect temperature is 72. For others, it is 78. You know, me perfectly, I like it at 81. You know, husband and wife, you know, that's where you can have a bed with, a, with a, this side's one temperature and that side's another, and this one has a four, and that number's a number eight, and all that kind of stuff. Hey, in heaven, whatever's best, it's what it's going to be. It's going to be a perfect, perfect place where we are going to be able to enjoy it we could go and, and, and uh, take a walk and not worry about stumbling and falling down and breaking our ankle. Man, I, you know, I can climb a tree again and not worry about falling out and breaking my neck, you know? I mean, I'm just going to do anything I want to do and not have to worry of any of the stuff that goes along with it. No liability insurance. Don't have to sign any documents before I do it. Now, number one, heaven is not a state of mind. It's a prepared place. It is a prepared place for prepared people. That's John 14. I go and prepare a place for you. I've got a place. For you, and when I get it ready, I'm coming back and I'm going to call you to be with me. In the beginning, Genesis 1 1, God created the heavens and the earth. He now talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Think about this. Think about a heaven where there was no more tornadoes. Think about a heaven where there were no more hurricanes. Think about a heaven where there's no more lightning knocking people down on the earth. Think about that kind of a place. Perfect heaven perfect earth everything just magnificent where the flowers the many millions of flowers that the lord has created and the hundreds of thousands of of different species of animals and all everything perfect the lord is going to descend from heaven he's going to come down i'm not going into the tribulation and the millennium and all that's for another place but he's coming down to get his children. The main thing of all this transition is that God has prepared a place for eternity for his children to enjoy for all of eternity. Listen to Hebrews, uh, or listen to the Psalm 33, 13. The Lord looks from heaven. He beholds all of the sons of men. Psalm 102, 19. For he has looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth. Psalm 113.5, who is like unto the Lord? Our God who dwells on high. Now Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 does say heaven will be a place of rest, as I've already mentioned. But as we go on further, in this prepared place, it is also going to be a place of safety. No night there. No need for a candle by night, the Bible says. Firemen, 
Once you die and go to heaven, you have run your last fire where somebody knocked a candle over an apartment and burned down 50 apartments because they went to sleep uh, because the candle fell over and set the place on fire. We're going to be lighted by the glory of God. And all of those things will no longer be. Revelations 22 and 5. Let's go one more chapter. The Bible's almost into the last chapter now, the Bible. Listen to what it says. Verse 5. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Now, don't you know the Democrats would love to hear that? Or the Republicans or the Independents, we're going to reign forever and ever. Well, we're not going to be divided politically when we get to heaven. Color will mean nothing except it'll be beautiful. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in God's sight. I made them this way. They got to warring with each other. That wasn't my problem. That was their problem. When sin came in their life, they didn't understand. I made all things in my likeness. I had a purpose for it, and now they're going to see what that purpose is like. And we're not going to all look like each other. We're all going to be like him because we're going to see him like he is. Matthew 6, 19. Let's go to the first book of the New Testament. Lay not up for yourself treasure upon earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves will not break through and steal. Can you imagine where you don't have to lock the doors? Some of you sitting here, did you lock the car door, honey, out there in the church parking lot? You know how these church people are. You never know what you're going to do when you get back out there. You know, honey, did, did, did you leave the oven on? You know, oh, I hope not, honey. Oh, I just worried, I'm just worried to death. You know, I'm just afraid that roast is just going to be burned up when we get home today. We're not going to have to fool that mess. Can you imagine? Some of you are right now wondering, what am I going to do in heaven? All I do is worry. How am I going to make it up there? I mean, are you telling me that I'm not going to have to call attention to myself up there by telling everybody what all I'm worried about? Because I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about the economy. I'm worried about the country. I'm worried about our kids. I'm worried about the Texans, you know. <laughs> I'm worried about it, you know. I hope that preacher will get through so I can get back. Well, you know, a bunch of our crowd is out there. They'll report back all now, you know, and I'm not going to fuss at them, all right? But here's what I want you to know. Heaven is going to be awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. It's going to be a place, listen to this, biblically, where sorrow will not enter. Like Brother Bill said, somebody said there's not going to be any tears in heaven. Yes, there is. When we get there, they will, but he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes, and then there'll be no more, no more sorrow. Some of you have yet to hear that phone call. We need to come to the police station or to the county hospital. There's been an accident. Some of you never heard one member of your family call and say, Mother's dead. You've never gone through the sorrow of the doctor saying, I've got bad news for you. I know you were looking forward to this birth, but it's not going to happen. That's going to be gone. No more disappointments. No more of those moments that just seem like you've lost your job. Your date broke up with you. Your wife has filed for divorce. Your husband has left you. Those things are gone. No more sorrows. Think about what it would be like, even right here in Houston, if we didn't have all that stuff going on. Would this not be even a better place to live? A little adjustment in the climate maybe, but the rest of it? How wonderful, how wonderful. The rebellion of a child. Many of you have never gone through that. 
You don't know what it's like for a parent, a mother, to walk through the valley, the shadow of death, just to, to give birth to the child. Puts her life on the line. The child comes up. Everything the family does. Man, they eat at McDonald's or Double Arches or they've seen Disney, Mickey Mouse, more time you can imagine. They get the best of everything and the kid turns 15, 16 years old and they go into rebellion. You don't know what that's like. In heaven, you won't have to worry about it. We're children of God. And it's going to be a happy, happy place. Paul talked about his own family in this life and he talked about the family of God. Revelation 21, 4 says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There'll be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. We've got to talk about something. Can't talk about our worry. Can't talk about our pains. Can't talk about our bankruptcies. You know, it's going to be a new place. It's going to be a new heaven. Well, there's not going to be marriages in heaven, so we know there's not going to be any divorces. Job 3.17 says, There the wicked cease from troubling, and, they, and there the weary will be at rest. Psalm 16:11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Let me tell you about that word pleasures. We seek pleasure in this life, but we seek it in the wrong place. We think that's going to bring us pleasure. Many people think money will. Others think sex will. Others think having a position in life will. Others think having a, a different body, a different look. Where you look in the mirror and you think I'm more beautiful or, or better looking than, than I was, whatever. I mean, that's what we think will bring us pleasure. You know what everybody finds? It goes after their, that kind of pleasure when they get it and they get what they want. They find out they don't want what they got. And so it just keeps building more and more and more and more. You got to try again. Let's try something else and try something else. And it's always let's try another sin and another sin and another sin. But here's a good thing. When we all get to heaven, everything's going to be made perfect. Well, nobody's perfect. Yeah, there's one. His name is Jesus. And when we get to heaven, there'll be a bunch of us. Because we will be like him. No criticism. No shaming us or putting us down. That's what the Bible says about heaven. Hebrews 12, 23, And to the spirits of just men made perfect. And then the Bible says that heaven is going to be a place where all knowledge is going to be known. Again, we look through that glass darkly, 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but one day face to face. Now I know in part, the scripture says, but then I will know even as I also am known by him. Then I will know. I have my opinions. I have the positions I take on certain issues. But he alone is truth. And none of us have all the truth. But one day we'll know the truth. And the truth will set us free. Heaven is an inheritance in the will of God. Listen very carefully as I bring all this to a close. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish and spend eternity separated from him in a place called hell. Again, that we'll talk about next week. But that all should come to him in repentance. He said, I don't want anybody to be anywhere else but with me in paradise. That's where I want to be. A paradise, you look up that word, it means completion and beauty and complete 
in every single way. It's absolutely awesome. But 1 Peter 1, 4 says we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and fades not away that's reserved in heaven for you. Never grow old. Never have those wonderful things that you thought about a while ago. This is, this is where I guess I am the most blessed. That's not going to pass away. But there's going to be other things added to it where you're going to be blessed on blessing after blessing after blessing. Based on that, we'll never get bored. Young people, how many times have you said to each other, that's just boring, that's just boring, that's just boring. Isn't it going to be great to say, there's nothing up here boring. And I just cannot wait to what's around the next corner. I can't wait to the next person I see. I can't, I can't imagine. Did you see this? Yeah, come on and look at this. Huh? You get a picture of that? No, no. Huh? It's a, well, better get it because it's going to be. No, it's not going to be gone. It's going to be there for all of eternity. I mean, I could get real excited. Nothing's going to wear you out up there. Senior adults, how about that? Nothing's going to wear us out. Would you like to go out there? I'm just wore out. You know, I walk to the mailbox and back, and I am just absolutely wore out. When we get to heaven, we'll have unlimited energy. Jesus does not sleep, nor does he slumber. You know, the best of us here, we've missed one-third of however long we've been here. If you're 30 years old, you've been asleep for 10 years. But we get to heaven, out of 100 years, we'll be awake 100 years, full of energy, not tired, and every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. That just blows my mind. I can't imagine. And when I read those scriptures like eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what God's got prepared for those that love him, and I think what my eyes have seen. How many sunrises I've seen? How many sunsets I've seen? How many of the waterfalls of the world have I seen? How many different terrains in the world have I seen? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? All the people. Awesome. But you hadn't seen anything yet, John. No pollution. Not moral pollution. Not global warming, not physical pollution. Heaven is a place where we're going to see Jesus. That's what's going to make it heaven. And you know what? Not only are we going to know Jesus, I mean see Jesus, but we're going to know Jesus as he is. Not as he was presented to us, but as he is. We're going to see him, know him, just like he is. The thought of that just is beyond measure. He's there now. But we can have total access to him for all of eternity. I have a lot of fun with my Christian friends. I became a Christian when I was a little boy, seven years old. And we, we're funny folks. And I've been around some of the greatest religious leaders that, of my generation and I mean, some people get up real early in the morning, you know, like 3 o'clock to pray. And in the back of their mind, they're getting up early so they can beat the rest of us. <laughs> because they know if I can pray at 3 o'clock, about 98% of my friends are still asleep. So I'm going to get there early, you know. Well, listen, when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to know Jesus as he is and have his full attention all the time. He's just able to do that. I don't think that we're going to be able to move about uh, everywhere like he does he's the only one that's omnipresent but we're going to be there with him and we're going to be able to experience him and his angels forever and ever and ever 
In Matthew 10, 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, I'll confess before my Father, which is in heaven. There's a very interesting passage of Scripture in Ezekiel, and the same thing is over in 2 Corinthians 6. Here are the words. Ezekiel 37, 27, and 2 Corinthians 6, 16. Listen to these words. I will walk among them, the Lord said. I will walk among them, and I will be their God. Old Testament and New Testament. God said in heaven, I will walk among them, and I will be their God. John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Yet, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, when he shall appear, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. Two questions, and I'm through real quick. These are the two most asked questions that I've ever had on heaven. Number one is, Will we know each other there? Will we know each other there? What does the Bible say? The Mount of Transfiguration, you remember the New Testament saints? In the Old Testament heroes came back in Luke 9, 29. They knew their name. Called them by name. We'll know one another's names, I believe. I think biblically, you remember after Jesus was buried, came up, resurrected Jesus, how people picked him out and Mary heard his voice and recognized the voice of Jesus. It is in uh, John 20, 16. As she was in the garden, she heard his voice and she recognized that voice of the resurrected Lord Jesus. God has allowed us a family. He calls us a family. We have our individual families here on earth, but I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God and I want you to be a part of the family of God. And by being a part of the family of God, we will know one another. Let me tell you, I'm going to push this a little further. I think I'm going to know people like C.S. Lewis or Mike Lucado, if you, he's still alive, or W.A. Criswell or an R.G. Lee or somebody, uh, Oswald Chambers. You read him every day. I believe when I see Oswald Chambers, I believe that I will know him just like that because he has been used by God in my life, in my wife's life for many, many, many years. And there's so many more. And I think there's evidence. If I had a long time to talk with you, I could show you what I'm talking about. But just trust me, there's great evidence in the Bible that, yes, we will know one another, and that answers that question. Luke 10, 20 says, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven, and they will be never forgotten. Now the second question is, this is the funny one. Do you think that animals will be there? Now, that usually comes with somebody that has a pet. And they wonder, is my pet going to be there? But before we laugh that off, let me just tell you just one thing. Just go home. It's just a thought. Just a thought. Please, no cards and letters, no emails, uh, no commentaries. We're not going deep theologically. I just want to ask you a question. The Bible says very clearly in Luke 3, 6, all flesh shall see the salvation of of the Lord. All flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. It's all human flesh, says all flesh. Now I want you to think of something for just a moment. How many times in the Bible did God use animals in your knowledge of the Bible in a major way to make a major point of a major of teaching? The Lord is my shepherd, okay? Sheep, ravens, Elijah, whale, Jonah. You got those down? All right, let me go on with some others. Quail, rain down out of heaven. 
the doves went out from, Mo, from uh, Noah's ark, the donkeys, the lions, the sparrows, and oh yes, a white horse. I want you to think about pets for just a moment and, and animals, how God used them. Now they don't go to heaven because of Jesus died for them, but he created them for his enjoyment and for, for our enjoyment. He said, I won't withhold any good thing from those that love me. I want you to think for just a moment. I'm going to be through. Now listen to this very carefully. This is not trying to teach you theology. I just want you to think. You ever know an animal that was God sent to a person to be their companion until they died? Do you know the stories of that? We all know those kind of stories. Have you ever seen those rescue dogs, people praying for an animal to find their loved one at 911? Sure you have. Have you ever seen someone that's blind and had a dog that was their eyes here on earth? And that dog meant everything to them. Would it not be like God that said, there's going to be a new heaven, no earth, all the dogs aren't going to bite. Even if he chooses to use a snake, you remember the snake in the Old Testament, but they don't strike. They just are kind of smooth or whatever. Can you think about the fish? The 5,000 that were fed. Can you think about all of those things and then add to it that Jesus is coming back on a white horse? And if you'll study it, it means white horse in the, in the language of the Greek. In that perfect earth where the lions and the lambs lay down and all the things in the Bible, God might do that and shock a lot of theologians because God... It's going to create that part of heaven. But the people that get there are coming through the blood of Jesus, and there's no other way. But he will not withhold any good thing from those of us that love him. Not your favorite aunt or uncle that used to cook good apple pies for you or take you uh, to the circus. They're not going to be there because they were nice to you. they got to come by the blood of Jesus. But by the same token, I believe every flyer you've ever seen, every bird that ever flew, every animal that ever walked the earth, every fish that ever swam could be in God's heaven. That I'm talking about the species could be in God's heaven for us to enjoy in a perfect climate. No more storms, no more of floods, none of that. That's all gone. Wow, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So I want you to leave here and I want you to be thinking of this one thing. I made a phone call this morning. I told you I'd been working on this sermon right up to the time I walked in the pulpit in the last hour. I called Tommy French, a friend of mine for life. My daddy led him to the Lord when he was five years old. In East Texas oil field, he led his daddy to the Lord. Tommy French Sr., he was a roughneck in the oil field. He was a roughneck. He came to one of my dad's revivals as a young man. He gave his heart to Jesus that afternoon in his home. Tommy French sat on his daddy's knee, five years old, genius of a mind, uh, earned doctor's degree. And when my daddy got through with his, his father, he said, Brother Pastor, no, he said, Brother Preacher, he said, I want to go to heaven too. Can you tell me about Jesus? And Tommy came to know the Lord. His wife and he had a baby, the first baby, died one hour after he was born. A few years ago, she died. I went to the funeral. I heard Tommy tell the story, and he preached a sermon on it. I called him today in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I said, I want you to tell me that again because I'm going to preach on heaven today. He held her hand when she died. Last thing she said was, Tommy, Jesus has on a purple robe. Is that okay? 
<laughs> now this is a PhD in theology. Is it okay for Jesus to wear a white robe, a purple robe? So I had some way that fascinated her. Then she said, Tommy, I see our baby. And she died. One of the greatest preachers of my generation is R.G. Lee. R.G. Lee mastered Shakespeare. He mastered the English language. When R.G. Lee was dying, he would come and mesmerize the crowd with his use of the English language. When R.G. Lee was dying, his sister, his daughter told me this personally. She said, when daddy died, he said his eyes were closed and he opened his eyes and he said, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I cannot describe to you it's so beautiful. If R.G. Lee can't describe it, I'm not going to even try to describe it to you. But when my mother-in-law died, just at 98 years old, was at this church two weeks before in high heel shoes at 98. And I don't mean these kind of high meals. I mean those kind. <laughs> Drop dead beautiful. And at 98, men 60 years old were trying to flirt with her over, over at, uh, at uh, Trinity Oaks. But she loved Jesus. She could tell you the minute and the second when she knelt by the commode in her bathroom and gave her heart to Jesus. And we were there when she died. And here's what she did. She lifted up her hands like this, and we were standing by, and she went like this. And so we started moving towards her, and she went like this. So we backed up. So then she goes like this again. We start moving forward. She backs up. And my daughter-in-law said, wait a minute. She's not motioning to us. She sees something that she wants to come to her. I personally think she either saw Benny, her husband, or she saw Jesus, or somebody else that she knew in her family, and it was a homecoming. I don't need y'all now. I'll see y'all later. I'm going to be with my Lord. And I'm going to be with my family. You talk to any person, young people talk to any person, read any book of these people that have gone through these after-death experiences, been killed in a car wreck, you know, this kind of thing, and they come back to life. Every one of them have the same story. Bright light, peace like I've never imagined, and that's what heaven was in that brief look before they step inside the gates and the curtains pull back, and there's a land that's fairer than day. Are you going there? You can be. You can know that you know that if you're absent from the body, you'll be present with the Lord. But you better quit chasing religions. You, you better quit trying to chase things of changing this and changing that because I don't want to do this and I want to do that. That's not the way you get there. It's all paid for. You got a free ticket. You don't have to get in a lottery. It's free, absolutely free. And eyes have not seen and ears haven't heard what God's got for you. You can go. Every time we meet, you can go. Young people, I know y'all have had a fabulous service earlier. I met Kyson about two weeks ago, and boy, he blessed my life in San Marcos, Texas. He and I were on the same program together, and I invited him to come and speak uh, because Jeremy, our new student minister, knows Kyson. He's an evangelist, and I just know that some of those young people got saved over there today, but I want you to get saved right here in this service right now if you want to. It's all up to you, but if you want a new life, old things can pass away and all things become new, and you can experience a little bit of heaven on the way to heaven. I talked about those dogs. Boy, I'll tell you one thing about them. They're better than us at forgiving them, right? I mean, you know, you treat somebody like a dog, and a dog just loves you anyway. Boy, that's something I wished I had 
God wants us to be like him. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing one verse. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Please don't move for a moment now. Don't move in the aisle. Just a second. Let's give some folks 30 seconds. If you're here today and you want to know that you know you're on the way to heaven and you're ready to give your heart to Christ, none of us know what another day is going to bring. But if you died this moment, do you know that you know you would go to be with the Lord? Is there any excuse you could give the Lord that he would accept for not accepting his sons Paying your way to go. If you can't come up with an excuse, you need to give your heart to Christ today. And so young people, you may have been thinking what you heard in the last hour with Kyson, and you might want to go to our Connection Center and receive the materials there to take home with you or pray with somebody to know that you know, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved from this world and be prepared for the next one. So as we sing one verse... If you'd like to go back to the Connection Center, it's that huge room under the terrace where all those folks are sitting. Go out in the foyer. You can enter from this side or from this side, and there'll be people there to talk with you. Let's sing this song, and we will dismiss. Brother John Mark. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.